Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. got a great message you can take a seat it's called King Jesus Revealed I'm getting revelation as we're as we're uh, road testing this I road tested it with the lawnmower yesterday at work mowed my lawn front and back and uh, it's awesome unveiled is our theme for 2020 give it up for Pastor Julie got that awesome theme our prophetic theme Without vision, you perish, guys. You're just going into 2020. Oh, it's the same. Oh, oh, 2021 now. Okay, you just do that. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, I've done this before. No! Man, you should be on the cutting edge of living your best life intentionally, not haphazardly bumping it around in life. You should be enthralled and enthused by God. Enthusiasm means being possessed by God, by the way. (laughs) King Jesus revealed. This is going to be awesome guys, and it's, we're unveiling who Jesus is. So in Matthew, and I'll get you to take some notes, and I'm going to go through this quite succinctly for podcast uh, users that, that want to track with me, and uh, I will drop a couple of surprises in at the end, and um, you're going to love it. But in Matthew, we find Jesus as the sovereign king. Can you just say sovereign king? Who was prophesied in the Old Testament that a messianic savior would turn up on the scene on planet earth and he would be the one that sets the record straight he would come to this earth and put things in place like no other king has been able to so each week uh, we go, today we're going to do Matthew and in every book you'll find there's a theme uh, Ephesians is the glorious church uh, we're going to do Colossians the sufficiency and the sovereignty of God is Colossians. Will, uh, but I want to talk about Matthew, King Jesus. Then we've got someone speaking about Mark. What's the theme of Mark? Jesus, the servant. I think Pastor Garth is uh, going to do that. Is that right, Pastor? Ma- uh, Pastor, yeah, Pastor Mark. Pastor Garth. Uh, Luke. Who's doing Luke? Jesus. In his humanity. Jesus in his humanity. John, Jesus in his deity. That'll be Pastor Julie. Guys, it's true. We're living in the most exciting times of planet Earth. But we need to know and we need a revelation, a dramatic revelation of King Jesus. Let's just pray for a moment. Why do we, just before I go there... Why do we need a dramatic revelation of Jesus? Because human nature, and it's the way we are, we come up with our own version of God. That's why I love Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart drills down to your version of God and who God is to you as a man. You owe me, Phil Cairns. He drills down... Just like you need some therapy to your teeth sometimes and they drill down. Sorry, guys, who have got a, you know, a, a very good imagination. But drilling down, getting rid of the, the stuff, the cavity stuff, a, a, and you get down where they can fill that tooth with the good stuff. I hope that wasn't too um, traumatizing for you. I want to drill down this morning in, under, in, in helping you understand who King Jesus is, because you may have your own version of who God is. So let's look at King Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew. Let's pray first. Father God, we need your help. We need your help. Holy Spirit, we're a Spirit-filled church. Holy Spirit, help us. Like you helped us in worship. Jilly, there were great song selections. That was great worship. Everyone should have been absolutely worshiping God and uh, man the, the Holy Spirit will help you understand these great great dimensions of God these revelations that we need to understand so father we pray right now holy just say this Holy Spirit help me see King Jesus help me 
seeking Jesus. Amen. All right, let's throw those up. I'm going to move along pretty quickly, guys. Sorry, I need to. We believe in Jesus the King. It's absolutely true. I want to make a real song and dance. A real song and dance about who King Jesus is. Yeah, that's the 70s version. Uh, staying alive, staying alive, ah, 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 staying alive, ah, King Jesus. What happened to Kanye West? How did he get so dramatically saved? The guy's a multi-millionaire. He's got hordes of fans. He's successful. He's the man. He's the man. What possessed him to pick up his life at bowing at the music industry, the spirit of mammon, the spirit of the age, what possessed him to pick his life up and then turn, repent, change your mind, and then kneel before Jesus and declare him as Jesus is king. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. What would possess a man to do that? I'm telling you right now, it wasn't meek, mild Jesus' version that you may have in your mind. It wasn't just the teacher. It wasn't the gentle lamb. It wasn't meek and mild. No, it was King Jesus is coming back in all his glory. And he wants to set the record straight. So let's have a look at that. Amen? Have I, have I got your attention yet? So I said this, the Gospel of Matthew, take some notes if you like, the Gospel of Matthew presents Jesus as the fulfillment of all messianic hopes and expectations. And Matthew carefully constructs this narrative to the fact that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And he quotes the Old Testament a lot. He quotes the Old Testament a lot. So what what is the theme of Matthew? It is this, that he's of royal blood, he is the Messiah, he is the King. Matthew says Jesus is Lord, Son of God, he's a teacher, but he's Messiah and especially incarnate King. And he's introducing the kingdom, the kingdom. And where the King, where the king is, there the kingdom is present. Where the king is, there the kingdom is present. That's why we need to get King Jesus in our church so we can, when we pray for Kerry, when we pray for Kerry, that King Jesus is present and and by the power of attorney, by using his name, King Jesus, we're going to use your name. Is that all right? Go for it. Boom, we pray for Kerry and she's healed because King Jesus is the ruler and sovereign over all things. Amen? But if you just think Jesus is a philosophical view or, 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 or just a, a religion, man, you're going to have a hard time believing for miracles. You're going to have a hard time walking out your days in the fear of God even, I believe. Am I preaching good this morning already? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4.17, meaning good news. What's the good news? I need to qualify some things. It's this, the gospel of the kingdom is good news because it's like this, that, the, that God's rule is present in power to forgive sin, heal sickness, break demonic bonds, and release from oppression. And I could give you scripture, 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 all in Matthew that would uh, qualify that. Jesus in Matthew pointly states that his dominion over demons proves his kingdom is present. Don't you love that? When you can bind demonic stuff in your neighborhood, when you hear people screeching and yelling from down the river, and for some reason they go down the river and have these ah, big fights, and they go, let's get down the river, you and I, wife. They go down the river, and they slam the door. We're sitting in our house because we live on the river near the river. And we hear this, oh, it's terrible, it's aggression, it's a spirit of murder, whatever. And we, we bind it. I, I just said, in Jesus' name, I bind that spirit of murder. I bind that spirit of aggression. I bind it. And I do it for barking dogs too. If you've got a barking dog in your, neighbor, in your neighborhood and you can't sleep, bind it in Jesus' name. 
Who's ever done that? Come on. Who's it? God, you guys. I need to teach you some stuff. You can bind a barking dog. You can bind an aggressive father yelling at his wife in the car park at Christmas time. You can bind those things that are causing, disturbing the peace, as you will. When the king is present, I said, statement, God's kingdom has come. And what did Jesus mean by the kingdom of God? The gospel of the kingdom is a message of fulfillment. And it's a bit like this. God's not a bit like this. It's totally like this. God's threefold promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And I haven't got time to tease that out, but where the Lord promised Abraham. So the big promise, the covenant, came to Abraham in the beginning. It all began, this covenant, this plan, it came to Abraham. Abraham, it's like this. These are the promises I make to you and to your offspring. The Lord promised Abraham land. I believe that's why God gave C3 Tugger land. It's symbolic that we're in covenant with God. And against all odds, we managed to purchase the last piece of large land on the central coast. Guys, the council was saying no. Speak to the hand. Or another version, the computer says no. And I'm saying, God says yes. And in the end, King Jesus got his way. Because the covenant says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you land, Canaan, the promised land, which for us now is salvation. I'll talk about that. He says you're going to have an offspring that will set in motion a great nation. Let's call it a great church across the world. That's what Kanye West is doing. He's turning up in just halls and that, and he's asking the people, not just the denomination, uh, denominations to come, he's asking people to come to worship God. Let, let, Kanye's going, look, I don't want to do denominations. I don't want to do the, uh, that, that stuff. Let's just, let's turn up and let's do what I believe God's asking me to do, and let's worship the king. Amen. The third thing that God was saying to Abraham through the covenant, I'm, now here it is, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you, Colleen, to be a blessing. Tim, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. That's the crossfire that you're in when you're a born-again believer. You've got to get used to the fact that you are being blessed to be a blessing. And oftentimes, that hurts to go public with that expression. Do you know what I'm saying? It may be verbally, it may be giving, it may be serving, but you are blessed to be a blessing. And what will it do? It will spread his kingdom all about the earth. So there were three promises God made to Abraham that unfortunately were reneged on. We'll get there. The gospel of the kingdom is a message ultimately of restoration. So God is saying through King Jesus, I'm going to fulfill all the covenants. Well, let, let's go back. Let, let, let me get back. Let me, let me talk about that a little, little later. I've got to make sense for the podcasters. The gospel is the kingdom. It's the message of restoration. The Greek word for kingdom is basilia, which means the right of authority to rule. Has King Jesus, does he have a right to rule? Isaiah 9, 7, and I will read this one because it's important. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord. Anyone got any zeal? Anyone being given any zeal to make that happen? You've got to get some zeal, guys. Uh, Daniel 2.44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those other kingdoms those other mountains, those other things that, that are seemingly prominent in society, that have a great influence, that are, you know, that are not of God. 
It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. Where the king is, there is authority, and that authority changes things. That's why we prayed for Kerry. So basically, Jesus is announcing a new reality. He's announcing the age to come, and it's begun on his incarnation, on his arrival. Basically, Jesus said, I am representing the kingdom, and I'm bringing that activity to earth. Who wants to see more heavenly activity on earth? Who wants to see that? Or you're saying, look, we don't need miracles. We don't need restoration. I need a tissue. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're pretty good. We can just do a little. We, we just behave ourselves here, God. And, um, and, and, and Lord, you, you, no, what, what Bethel is all about, bringing heaven to earth. People scurrying around, everyone's watching. Will they complete the task at hand? Yes! Thank you, Jesus. That was the most important part of my message right there. I could tell. Everyone was focused. Everyone was inquisitive. Will, will Jesse make it? Yes, she's nearly there. She's got it. Yes, yes. She's coming back. Yes, Pastor Phil's waiting. I know he's waiting. We're funny creatures, aren't we? We want heaven to invade earth. Can I get an amen? I'll say it again. We want heaven to invade earth. Absolutely. What you believe about the king determines how you live your life. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to use Kanye as an illustration, but what has possessed this guy to change his life from swearing? Play me one of those old tunes that he was... uh, Can we play one? No, we can't. They're blasphemous. He was actually calling himself Yeshua or something. What was he calling himself? What was he called? Jesus. Jesus. Like a play on Jesus. He was actually calling himself Jesus. This guy was demon-possessed. This guy was just a total... He was hijacked by the powers of darkness. What possessed him, Brie, to say to the music industry, I'm not singing that stuff anymore. I'm going to sing about King Jesus. What possessed him to go all out? I, I, I think you might have other thoughts, but what is a king? We need to understand what a king is. A king was established by God in, in, in the Old Testament. We see kings... And hopefully, I've got to crunch this, kings were set up and and ordained by God and kings would represent the kingdom, God's will. And as long as the king was doing the right thing for Israel, things went well. When the king was in disobedience to God and was serving foreign gods, the the Baals and the other other gods, things went real bad. Plagues and all, all sorts of terrible things would break out. And ultimately, they were taken into exile. God allowed their enemies to overcome them. That's why you have to be in covenant with God when there's a coronavirus getting around. You don't want to be hijacked by a coronavirus. You want to be preserved through your covenant in God and through your allegiance to King Jesus, and He will protect you. Amen? Oh, I can see that you're really loving this too. It's awesome. You're really loving it. So... What is a king? When we say King Jesus, a king ruled over um, God's, God's will that he would, was trying to institute on the face of the earth. Unfortunately, people rebelled and um, God's judgment would kick in and they'd find themselves in all sorts. So in a sense, Israel's kings were central to the well-being of God's kingdom on earth. And there were various kings that represented various uh, covenants on the earth that some were good, but most didn't do well. And it got mankind and, and God's people into all sorts. This coronation psalm dedicated to the prosperity of Solomon. Solomon is another king, King David, then King Solomon. At the beginning of his reign, he, th- 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 there's this psalm that talks about Solomon. We want Solomon to be all that God 
wants him to be. But really, this psalm I'm about to read can only be fulfilled through Christ Jesus. Psalm 71 verse 1, 72 verse 1, and this is talking about, this is his coronation. This is what was spoken about as he was coronated, as he was, you know, made king. Endow the king, they're saying, with your justice, O God, the royal son, with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. Verse 3, may the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of, of righteousness. Verse 4, may he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush, may he crush the oppressor. It really does sound like a great king to have. But as good as Abraham, like a king, as good as Abraham was to, you know, allow this covenant to be propagated and to finally for it to be realized in all its wonderful dimensions of blessing, he let the team down. Same as King David. As good as David was, he definitely let the team down uh, in in a a lot of ways. But in that, in David's, when David was made king, God said, this will be my final dynasty from David. This will be from his kingdom from his reign will come a final king who will set things straight so that the establishment of Jesus reign was made through King David there needed to be someone who would turn up from David's lineage that would turn up of royal blood who would finally be this messianic king so again Matthew starts his writing by stating that Jesus is of royal blood. And the genealogy started in Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 17, determines that Jesus is definitely the Messianic King, the King of Israel. Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew 1, verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So again, they're the three key figures in the Old Testament. Son of Ab- Jesus needed to be a son of Abraham, and he needed to be a son of of David. Did you understand that? Matthew 1:17 says, "Thus there was 14 generations." Numbers are very important in the Bible by the way. Thus, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. According to Matthew 1:17, the genealogy is arranged in three segments, each containing 14 generations. So um, the first began with God's covenant with Abraham, in which Abraham was promised that his descendants would rule the world. Did you understand that, that that covenant made to Abraham? You're going to be a blessing. You're going to institute my plans, Abraham, and from you will be a nation, and that nation will bring in my culture my attitudes, my rules of living on planet Earth. The second segment begins King David and with God's promise to fulfill his covenant with Abraham by establishing David's dynasty forever. And the second segment ends with God's people being exiled from the promised land because of their sin and covenant breaking. Mm. The third segment of the genealogy runs from the exile to the birth of Jesus. Israel had broken God's covenant and fallen under its covenant curses. But God still intended to bless Israel by fulfilling the promises he had made to Abraham and David. The past kings had failed. Now the last king, say this, King Jesus. Say King Jesus the one who would fulfill all of Israel's destiny had finally come. I'm enjoying this. Matthew 1.16 says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So in Matthew straight up, Matthew makes a real big point of stating 
This is the full legal <coughs> claim to Jesus uh, from David's throne uh, to, 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 to fulfill the messianic promises. And that's very important. So he's, he is definitely a king. Because Jesus was the son of God, he was fully divine. That meant he was able to fulfill God's covenant perfectly. All the other kings, they let the covenant down by doing crazy stuff. And the covenant wasn't perfected. And they didn't get the full benefits from the covenant. Human kings had never perfectly obeyed God's covenant. And therefore, they had never been able to inherit the full covenant blessing God had promised to Abraham and David. So God sent his perfect son, his son to be king, in order to ensure that his covenant would be kept so that his promises of blessings would be fulfilled. All the covenant blessings are there for your taking. Because Jesus fulfilled it through the sacrificial death on the cross. Conclusion, in the introduction of the gospel, Matthew presented Jesus as the Messianic king, the royal son of David, who received all the blessing God had promised to Abraham and the people of Israel. So all those covenant blessings that God made, six and then finally seven, um, all those covenant blessings that God was trying to institute through those kings, those kings that were human, but at the end of the day, frail and human, finally he sends his own son to perfect the final covenant. And because he does, the covenant is alive and well, folks, and it is for you to be healed, to be blessed, to be set free, to be born again. Can I get in a hand clap from that at least? Now, here comes the, the good stuff. That, no, that was the good stuff. This comes the stuff, just to entice you a bit more. The Jews were looking for a Messiah who would subdue their oppressors and allow ascendancy for the Jews, meaning a position of prominent power and influence. But as you know, this was not the case. Um, Jesus was born in a lowly manger, became a humble carpenter, and a suffering, seeking, inviting, servant, rescuing Messiah. Let me just talk about the suffering aspect. Three times Satan challenges Jesus' commitment to his, to his role of royal suffering servant. Three times he tempted Jesus to be Messiah without suffering in the desert, tempted 40 days. Three times he tempted Jesus, Satan tempted Jesus to be a Messiah without suffering, saying, don't be hungry like a man. Astonish people into believing without pain. Rule the nations without suffering. But each time Jesus rejected the easy path that would have denied the character of his suffering messiahship, he, it was the role he had to play in going to the cross. Let's go to the... Let's go to this. A very important conversation occurred between an earthly governor and the governor of the universe that saliently disclosed the main purpose for the coming of the Messiah. In John 18.37, we find, this is Jesus now being um, questioned, and it goes like this, of who he is. And John 18.37 says... Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? As Kanye says, as your loyal subjects say. This is Pilate, type of Caesar in Israel at the time. Israel was under the command of the Romans and Pilate was their governor. And he's questioning Jesus saying, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness 
to the truth. Everyone hears the truth, hears my voice. So basically in this passage, Jesus revealed that he was born because he was chosen by the Father to come to the earth and rule as king. I'm not there yet. Here it, it's coming shortly. The most quoted Old Testament passage in the New or, or the in the New Testament, the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament is Psalm 110, verse 1 and 2. Um, and it goes like this: The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. This is quite dramatic. This is This is actually going to happen in Israel in the second coming of Christ. Saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops, and this is us, this is the church now. Your troops, your church will be willing in the day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. Does that excite you, young ladies? Those sort of men? Yeah. (laughs) The passage also tells why he's eventually crucified. It shows that both Pilate and the Jews handed over Jesus to be crucified because he's claimed to be king. And because he was claiming to be king, it was a threat to their political and religious and social lives. So they don't want to kill him because he's a religious leader. Did you get that? They're saying, he's saying he's king that he's going to introduce a foreign policy, a different culture, a different rulership, not just to the religious order, but to everything in society. That is the king we serve. We're serving a king that has a mandate. John 19, 12 says, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let the man go, you are a friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. They're saying, the religious order of the day is saying, no, he's king. Caesar's king. This guy, he's just a religious fruitcake. He's just a religious nutcase. The Jews didn't recognize he was king. They recognized that he was a a radical, a despot, however you want to say it. But they couldn't get their head around the fact that Jesus was superior to even Pilate, Caesar. He was the king of kings. Amen. And you can see that in these scriptures where it says... Revelations 19, 16, I'm nearly done. On this robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you know the Bible says that, uh, Revelations 1, 5 or 6, it says that you are a king now. That you are a king, bringing God's will to pass, bringing God's authority to bear into society. And 1 Timothy 6, 15, when God will bring about in his own time. Which God will bring about in his own time? God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus was crucified not for being a religious leader. He was crucified for being a king. And if you go to um, the original mandate in Genesis 1, 28, Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is talking about a cultural mandate. Jesus is actually bringing a cultural mandate. That's why for a lot of people I know, are trying to introduce Jesus and his culture into this world. What about this? Um, 20 years ago, we rocked up to council and said, we would like to say a prayer to open up the council meeting in Wyong, in, in, in Wyong council chambers. And thank God, 
the mayor then said, what a great idea. So we went in, little king, representing the king of kings, and we would open up the council meeting in one minute of prayer, declaring God's rulership, declaring God's kingdom. We would do that in a pastoral way. What else did we do? We went around to all the services in Wyong, <laughs> the ambulance, the police, help me, Jules, uh, docks. When we turned up at docks, they said, you want to bless us with morning tea? A lady in the Baptist church, let, let me just be clear, came up with an idea, a very spiritual idea of introducing, pardon? Introducing the Beatitudes, the attitudes of the born-again believers in Wyong, because that's how we bring the culture to bear. The attitudes, the Beatitudes. What, what are they, Pastor Phil? Okay, I've got to help someone. Woo! The Ten Commandments and the rest of the Bible. That's what we believe in. That's our attitudes. Blessing our enemies. Forgiving people, even 70 times 7. Serving and honoring others, especially the poor, the widows and the orphans. Stewarding everything we have for kingdom pursuits because everything we have belongs to Him anyway. Essentially loving God with all our being and loving our neighbors. These this is how the kingdom comes. And so we did. We went around to all the services, all the social services in Wyong, and we introduced the king's culture, the, the, the heavenly mandate to bring glad tidings of hospitality. And what's the key word? I'll let someone guess it. What's the key word? If I'm going to Rachel's Oasis Center, where they're reaching out to the troubled youth, and, and we turn up there, Rachel, and say, we want to honor you. That is a kingdom culture. Docs say to us, this is a fact. She did a double take and said, you want to bless us? No, no, I just can't get it. And who are you? We're the combined churches of Wyong. No, I, I can't get my head around that. I, I need to get my manager. She goes, gets the manager. Yeah, who are you guys? Uh, we're the local church. These are ladies, by the way. They weren't men. These were two precious ladies. We're the church, combined churches, and we want to honor the services that you're doing in Wyong. And we want to put morning tea on for you. You want to honor us... And put morning tea on for us? She says with a little snigger. And the beautiful ladies, beautiful Baptist ladies, say, yeah, we would like to honor you for the good work that you've done. And she puts her hand on her hip. She said, well, I never, I've never heard in all the years, the eight years I've been working here, no one's ever come to this counter and asked to bless us. They always want something from us. Calvin said, the theologian, that the gospel would be a cultural mandate. Uh, Martin Luther said there was a separation of the church and normal life. That wasn't a good interpretation. Calvin said, no, the kingdom should permeate all of life. It should permeate our society. We should be the salt. We should be the light. The gospel is not good news, it's a free gift, and it brings restoration, healing, and blessings. It's not good advice, guys. I'm done, I'm done. But I'll just say this, the kingdom wants to affect our society at large. That's why Wild at Heart has been introduced as a cultural mandate to wrestle back our men from being mangled by modern life and bringing them back under the mandate of God of manhood. Did I make sense? You're not, you're not Martha, you're, you're Arthur. You're, you're a man, you're born for adventure. You can, you can do that. 
No, you're born for battle. You're born to intervene. That lady that's getting accosted in the car park. No, God says you're a man that you're born to intervene and, and bring, bring a rescue plan. Amen? You're born to rescue. Man, man, you're born to rescue. But modern society and its PC pluralistic attitudes has shut the man down of saying anything, doing anything, and being the man that can bring salvation, can bring a rescue plan, intervention upon a, a, a poor person, even a, a child. That's why I love the wild at heart, because it is a cultural mandate to introduce manhood back to the man. Jesus didn't die, as, didn't die on the cross because he was a religious nutter. Jesus died on the cross because he said he was king and king over life and society and every nation on the earth and all that life, and that was a threat to the Roman Empire. Oh, if you say you're king, I've got to kill you now because you're coming against the Roman Empire. So why are we stuck in four walls? Basically doing what Martin Luther said, that the church was separate from society. We are not separate, guys. We have dominion authority to rule over the barking dogs, arguing marriages, to rule over street arguments. My dad would walk up, he'd just pull the car over. What are you doing, dad? They're fighting. And man, in my day, when guys were fighting in the street, they were really fighting. They were fighting, man. This was like... My dad would pull over. My dad served in the Air Force. And he just quietly, I think he had the gift of uh, a peacemaker. Guys, what are you doing? Who are you, old man? Get out of here. Boom, bang. In the car, shrinking. Go, what's dad doing? But in a couple of moments, he got between those guys and pacified those hooligans. We used to call them bodgies. Going back to the 60s, guys. He would pacify. And then the kids in the car, their heads would come up. Yeah, that's our dad. Yeah, good on you, dad. See that? We tell that story all through school, you know, that week. My dad had the ability to softly speak and introduce a cultural mandate of, guys, this can be worked out. This can be sorted. That's our job. Our job is to introduce to every place you go, your workplace, wherever you go, your sports fields, your beach, wherever you go, we take a change of environment. We take the king's um, edict. We take the king's foreign policy of a better world, a better life, and we introduce that this is the hard thing for a lot of people. We introduce it by the spoken word because faith is voice activated. I know that's a hard one for a lot of people, but we've got to open our mouth. Even if it's saying, I don't do that. No, I, I can't do that. But then to infer the positive and the attitudes, the beatitudes in any situation you face, that's what we do for King Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Father, we thank you. How is King... A lot of people still got this... Um, um, people still got... Probably didn't get it across the line. Meek, mild Jesus. Uh, but how is Jesus coming back? Can you... Yeah, testing, testing, testing. Yeah. Um, just for those ones who don't have never read the book of Revelations... How is King Jesus coming back, Jules? Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, Revelations 19, I think it is. Yeah. It says, He has fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. He's riding a white horse all across this land. He's calling out to you and me, saying, Will you ride with me? Will you ride with me? Will you ride with me? And we say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
we will ride. He has a crown on his head, carries a scepter in his hand. Do you remember it, Lisa? He's leading the armies all across this land. And he is calling out to you and me. Come on, he's calling. Saying, will you ride with me? Will you ride with me? He's calling you. We say, yes, Lord. We will ride. Come on, let's just stand for a moment. Let's stand. Yes, we will ride with you, King Jesus. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All the men in the house say, we will stand up and fight. We will ride with the armies of heaven. Gonna be dressed in white.
To the perfect King of Kings. Jesus came and perfected the covenant through his lordship and kingship. What does it look like to serve a king who not only has the power and authority to tell you what to do, but the power and authority to back up what he wants to do? When we say to Kerry, be healed by the power of attorney vested in your church, your global church, your church that serves the King of glory, the King of kings, the Lord God Almighty, resplendent in glory, mighty in power, awesome in wonder. King Jesus, I want you to take one last look at him in heaven. Look at him, sit at the right hand of the Father. Come on, close your eyes and look at him. Look at King Jesus. Lord God Almighty, the ruler of everything. We look to you, Jesus. Say something, say something, say something. With a cultural mandate to introduce the attitudes, the beatitudes, the Spirit of God. Wherever you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you for radical salvations. Thank you, Lord God, that you saved a man like Kanye West to pronounce worldwide with his audience. To shout it from the rooftops that Jesus Christ is King. He is King. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.